Welcome to this week's Silk Grassroots Podcast, The Final Whistle, brought to you by the Down to Play app. Grassroots football is finally back and we're buzzing. Get Down to Play today, the UK's leading app for next game availability. Download Down to Play from the App Store and Google Play. Hello everyone, welcome to episode 19 of the final whistle podcast. No, 20. Sorry, Mark. Straight away, it's episode 20. Hello, welcome to episode 20 of the Final Whistle podcast, where uh, where Anton, Nathan, me, very special guest today. We've got um, Unders, as as we call him, uh, who's an ex-footballer, got to the semi-final with um, Taunton Town, impressed, moved up the ladder, later played for... um, for Weymouth, really good, really good experience in referee. We always hear about you know more ex-players should become referees, but we got one here, and we're really, really delighted to have him under here today. So, unders, love to have you on board, mate. Yeah, it's great to be here. Thanks, Cass. Great to be well, here, guys. Level three referee. We had to wait through. I remember seeing you ages ago. I went down to Dorset to a bit of a presentation to you lot, and um. Pikey was there, the RDO, bless him. And I remember you saying to me, I want to I want to go all the way. I really want to go as far as I can. And I was thinking, oh, he's, he's a bit frigging keen, he isn't he? And he was really energetic and he sort of stopped playing. And I thought, and I sort of kept an eye on you as you went up and you're there. You know, you've done really well, mate. I think it's great to lead to reach level three and, you know, and to start late like you did, I think it's a fine achievement, buddy. Yeah, I mean, um, it was always a problem for me finishing playing um, and accepting that my career was over um so you know i thought how can i get back on the football pitch and then i refereed a youth game by accident and um from there uh, i decided that's my way back onto that football pitch in, com- in competitive football and that's what i wanted to do and then once i was on that once i was on that pitch all, all i could see was just bigger games coming out of county level and moving forward and I think the only thing that's going to stop me moving forward, if I'm honest, is, uh, is will be my body because I'm going to keep going. But you know, it's going to say no at some point, isn't it? So, yeah, I know. You know, but I, I've really, I've really enjoyed my refereeing journey uh, so far. Far more highs than lows, I have to say. You know, and there's no doubt about it; it's very rewarding. But um, you know, we've uh, there, are, there are so many experiences and so many different facets to the game that you never saw as a player. Um, and then from being a referee now, understanding, and I remember some of the, some of the decisions in the past um, when I was playing, now understanding what was going through that referee's head. Do you know what I mean? Couldn't understand it at the time, but I can now, and it's, it's very, 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 very strange, obviously. So, but um, no, I've enjoyed everything that I've done so far. Really, this really enjoyed it, and I'll continue. This could be a good point for me to turn to turn. I know we've talked about this before. Now, when I came out of that meeting with you, I'm thinking, I'm sure I remember that knobhead. <laughs> I'm sure I remember him being a bit of a knobhead when he was yeah. playing. And then yeah. he remembers it was it was Barnstable, wasn't it? And he it gave was. me absolutely loads. Is it was it true? Did you actually say to me you only did that to me because I'm a Man U fan? And I'm like, oh, do I know if you're a bleeding Man U fan? No, I I, I think I think what happened basically we had we had you. We'd had you. We'd had you before. Um, obviously, Man United fan. You're a scouser, but there was great banter. All right, there was great banter on the day, um, and there was great banter. There was always, always was with you anyway because you're a fine referee. Um, but I just remember I felt that I was wrong because I felt that I was about to score, and then you gave a free kick against me, and because I felt I was just about to tap it in the net, and you gave a free kick against me, I. I'm not sure, you know, you, you must have seen something from your angle or I might have even pulled the lad and gone past him. That could have happened. But I completely lost my lost control of myself. Um, get, turned around to you, gave you so much that I was correctly sent off. Um, there's no doubt about that. Then I booted the ball 
towards you. And then I was ushered away from you. And then the changing room door got it. Um, so, so really, you were looking for a lifetime ban from football at I that was stage. lucky. I was lucky. And to be perfectly honest, Cass was, uh, Cass was well within his rights to give me that red card. And, you know, and I was, yeah, as Cass says, I was a bit of an idiot that day. And well, To be honest with you, I remember refereeing a lot and thinking, happy days, you were one of those ones that made it easy for me. And because yeah, yeah. you can work with you and, and you can know it and when you sense you know, that you recognise, maybe I know what I'm on about. And that helps, that sort of, it's like the opposite, we, we've talked about this in the past with the boys, it's the opposite of having a really bad no-bed on there that wants to cause trouble. It's like a virus and it spreads through the team. When you're giving a bit of banter and then I'm giving a bit back and you're laughing and you're accepting it, that just has the, another calm effect. People go, fair play, fair play. And it really does, it really does help us. I always enjoyed it, which is why I was surprised that you just completely lost your head. I, I did. I lost my I lost my head on the day, and I, and I remember I remember going home uh, on the minibus, just thinking, "What a prat! What are you? What have you just done there?" And then, you know, why have you done that? And I felt quite embarrassed, to be honest. Um, and I really wanted to see you again, but I don't think we ever kept cross paths again as a as a referee and player. So when I saw you again, I was the same as you at that meeting. I was like, I've seen him before. <laughs> <laughs> well, we got a crime watch number across the bottom here. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so we we got that we got that one out of the way, and uh, of course now now that it's gone from circle, and I'm a I'm a referee, um, and you see and you see things happen. You see things happen. Now it it makes me think, what did I? I'm the exact. I was the exact player in that moment that I, not dislike, but I, that, that, that I find difficult to referee, you know, and then not react to. Um, and what did I put, I mean, Martin's very strong, but could you imagine if I'd have done that to, uh, I don't know what, what Martin thought about that afterwards that evening, because I didn't think about that then. But what if that was a young, a young referee who I had given that dog's abuse to, and he would have, he would have had to go through that in his, in his mind for, for days and days, do you know what I mean? It's just, it, it, it does make you think when you're a referee, um, you know, what you've done, what you've done as a player in the past and what you've said. So I always, I always wondered if it, if it had any sort of a detrimental effect or you just got back to the change room and said, well, he was a trap. Well, and, and then oh. I, know, I, I would have thought that is what you would have said. Yeah, it's a fair question. But I was thinking, I talked about this to the boys. We're going to do a blog on each other soon where we all interview just each other. We'll have one with Nate, one with Ant, and one with me. And one of the things we talked about when they, that when I moved down from Liverpool to Summers, I never refereed in Liverpool, always played in Liverpool, moved down here, started playing down here, got injured, got into refereeing. But my background was always violence. Brought up in violence, so a really rough estate in Liverpool and fields right by the grounds. You know, we had a pig as an air freshener. It was like just dead, dead rough, scruffy area. And, it, you know, I, I'm still proud to come from where I was and, and all that. But violence was like an everyday case. When I moved as a player, I was, I was always getting sent off. I only got into refereeing because I was banned from getting sent off. So violence kept me on my toes, wanting to fight people. I remember getting a round of applause. Off my manager gives scouts an hour of applause, he hasn't hit anyone today. But I didn't realise it was wrong. And then when it comes down here, I get acclimatised that actually you're an obed if you like that. But you're no beds anywhere around you acting like that. But so when you did it, it, it didn't really affect me. And maybe it's like you said, if it was a younger person or someone from different else. But to me, it kept me on my toes. I was a bit, that's how I worked, that's how I rocked. It's even now it's challenging me. I'm on my toes. I'm, I don't come into a shell. And I think, um, yeah, I remember, remember thinking, because what happened there? And I was saying to him, okay, I was like, that's getting all right, all right, all right with him. Yeah. I told him what happened there. And I think we all have triggers. And it'll be interesting to hear what Nate says about this because I've really seen the trigger in here. I've seen the red mist go and I thought, nah, I'm just shutting up now. I'm going into professional mode. Do one, off you go, sort him out. He's lost there. You know, whereas others, I would have a bit of banter with as we're running and you just turn off, which is the, we talk to other people. When you are having this banter and you, there's a line to stop, there's a line to stop and go, right, I'm being business-like now. And I think that's what happened there, mate. So I don't know, from your point, Nathan, what, what do other people say about that, about how it triggers you? Well, look, it's a big problem, particularly with, you know, obviously Martin touched on the younger referees there, okay? And I think it's a big problem with younger referees at the minute that we're having is 
there's too many referees that are hanging up the whistle too early before they get the opportunity. You know, probably with the greatest respect to Martin, well, to both Martins on this actually, probably hanging up the whistle before you even took up the whistle in terms of age because of the fact that they're dealing with a lot of these situations. And look, I've I've talked about it so many times that the people who are tuning into these regularly will, will know that obviously we've seen a decline in, in player behaviour and things like that. And things are actually probably a little bit more difficult than they were, you know, when obviously you guys maybe started refereeing and things like that. So I think I think it's a big problem. And look, we, we know that there's sort of 27,500, I think, that the last week's figures from the FA showed. We've got 27,500 referees. And losing sort of 7,000 on average every season it's unsustainable and yes they're roughly taking on the same number but they're taking on the same number of, of maybe youngsters who are thinking about doing Duke of Edinburgh awards and things like that and what we're losing is experienced operators at supplying contributory league level that, that you know trusted safe pair of their hands and you can't expect these youngsters to come in because that level's challenging you know and that's basically the level what we're talking about Martin playing at there when, when uh, Martin under here playing at when Martin Cassidy was was refereeing him is, is that kind of level. And you can't expect youngsters who are undercooked to come in at that level and, and to be hitting the ground running because as a human being, whether it's, you know, you're becoming a policeman or you're in the army or whatever it might be, you need time to learn and develop and grow into that role so that you can do the job really, really well. And that, that goes with working in any industry. And I, and I think that, that, I think Martin hits, uh, Martin under here hits the nail on the head there when he just says, look, you know, if that's a young referee, how how difficult can it be? And and that's what one of the things that I think is really really important to consider is the fact that we're all human beings, and skills doesn't matter what kind of skill it is, they, they all take time to develop. I don't think there's been a more attractive time to be a referee, though. So I don't think recruitment is an issue, and it won't be for a while because there's plenty to bring young hungry referees in the the pathways up into the you know as high as the football league is very well defined the training that they get now uh if if they are one of these ones that are highlighted for uh say an aggressive push very early on uh the money is obviously a lot better now than it was when i started definitely and that's something that'll entice people in but like you said the retention of these guys if you can't hold on to them for more than a season or two well, then you're not going to solve the problem by just doing more recruitment. And I think that's maybe where the the, the county FAs and the, the central, you know, the, the FA for, for us, obviously we're all based in England. I know people watch this from abroad. Um, the, the, nationally, maybe something does need to be done to address the issues that are really hindering retention of referees. Mm. I think that's one of the things that, you know, when I speak to RDOs and I do my work and the workshops that I do with the third team, that's one of the big, you know, if I can categorise it into three things, one of the big categories is, Nathan, can you help in your workshop with newly qualified and young referees because they're really struggling to deal with spectators, they're really struggling to deal with club officials, they're even really struggling struggling to deal with, with players. And I think that a lot of the time when we're doing mental toughness and resilience workshops with them, it's with with those groups in mind. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think I think um I was lucky the day I was brought up on it to be able to just let that wash over me. But I know that I know loads of people who just didn't respond to it that way, might have gone into it. And I was unders I was the same as a player. I was terrible when I look back now and I've looked at I've kept all me sending offs I've got and look at some of the referees' names, I don't recognise any any of them. And I just think, well, was I one of the reasons they packed in? Because I was such a slat. Yeah, I mean, you're right. I mean, when I to be honest, um, Martin, when when I went from playing and then I went to be assistant assistant manager, this is before my refereeing, I went to be an assistant manager to see if I would like it. Because I need I needed to um do something in football. So I was assistant manager uh, down at Bridport and there was a gent there was a there was a linesman who gave a couple of decisions on the night that ended up in goals for the opposing team. And I gave him dog's abuse. And I mean, I gave him dog's abuse. And to the point where I can remember his face clearly when I walked, when I walked into the bar and I looked at him I, and he saw me, his face just dropped. And, I, and that had an effect on me. 
because I thought I've made him feel like crap there. Really, really bad. I've made him feel really bad. And I knew I had. And I drove home that night and uh, Bridport to Amos, not that far. Uh, it's only half an hour drive. And I just, I, I drove home and I said to, um, said to Sarah, I said, I don't think managing's for me. And she said, why? I said, well, you know, you know, I get very fiery as a, as a player when I need, when at times she says, yeah, I said, said, yeah, I said, I'm going to be worse as a manager. I can't do another 20 years of that. I don't want to do another 20 years of that. So that's when things started changing. And then obviously um, got into refereeing by accident. And I just thought, well, here's my chance to actually do something. And that, that incident and that game and, and me seeing that assistant referee has actually always stayed with me. Cause I, I never saw him again and I always wanted to apologise. Do you know what I mean? Because I just, I think I made him feel really bad on the night. And, and you know, you see some of the things that happen now. Um, you know, you've only got to go to, uh, go, go up the road here and there's like eight pitches up the road. Go there on a, any given Sunday where there's eight youth games going on and have a little walk around and you can see some of what's going on up there. And, you, and I'm looking at the person in the middle who is a level seven or a six or a young boy, you know, and I, and I hear some of the comments and sometimes I have to step in and say, why don't you just have a think about what you're saying to that young lad in the middle, you know? And then I get a few choice comments back sometimes, but then I sort of like go into, into a mode where I go, no, right. No, I want you to think about it before I report you, you know, and all stuff. And then they start calming down. I said, just think about what you're saying. I said, cause it, I said, that lad in the middle is doing his best. He's 15 or 16 years old. Come on. You know what I mean? So it has, I think, I think my, my refereeing as, um, from my point of view has been an, an, an amazing experience for me and to see the other side and to see really how it should be. You know, I, I, I love my foot, my playing career. Of course I did, but with, I, I ran an under 16 team in Weymouth and um, to be perfectly honest, I not once in all the years that I did them, did anybody get um, cautioned for dissent because they knew I wouldn't have it and I would leave them out the week after and I wouldn't hesitate. They're playing me. Because they, they, it's just not, and, and they knew why. They knew because I'm, I'm a, um, a referee and dissent, I absolutely hate it and I said just concentrate on your game if you think he's not going to make mistakes you're wrong of course he is but so are you so that's what I say and and and, and they responded and so if you talk to these lads they do res- they do respond it's, it's often the mums and dads you've got a flipping call up <laughs> yeah yeah no fair play and yeah. one of the one of the clips we're going to well the clip we're going to put up now was it um, when we talk about you, the way you've grown and you've gone player, really good player, did really well, referee, really good referee. And then you have different scenarios that, that jump up, up at you. And we always say about being mentally strong. God, this clip we're going to show now, the, the mental strength you was about A, during it, and B, after it, is, is incredible. So, Nate, are you ready to put that in? Yeah, I am, yeah. Okay, so this is the first 30 seconds of an FA Cup tie. And um, like I say, it's the first 30 seconds and here we have an incident. And right there, I've whistled. And then I suddenly realised that this guy is in a hell of a lot of trouble. Um, And as I'm coming down, I know the physios are on the other side of the pitch. And then I realised that he's actually swallowed his tongue. So then I have to get down. There's nobody there. I'm now pulling his tongue out of his mouth. Um... His face is a mess. And like I say, there was other things. His lips were in, you know, his lips were split and everything like that. He was in a lot, he was in a lot of trouble. Um, now, once I've got up, I'm, because it's the first minute, I'm trying to now identify the player. Okay, that's what I'm trying to do here. Um, I know it's a blonde lad. Um, but when I blew my whistle in the first place, basically, 
I was looking, eyes focused totally on the guy on the floor. I didn't even look at the guy that did it because I knew he was in all sorts of trouble with his legs going. He was completely knocked out. And Callum uh, here, who was looking for across the line from the header, so he didn't uh, he didn't see who did it. And then he, he said, "It's the it's the four or the 11. I said, "Yes, it is the four or the eleven. And um, so now I'm just checking the guy, making sure everybody's okay. And there on my my hands are actually covered in blood there, which is not a nice thing to see. Um, that was just my reaction. And I've already decided this, I've already decided because I've already replayed it in my mind and I've already decided that this is a red card for serious foul play because I, I saw the elbow. Um, whether or not he, he did it intentionally, I don't believe he did. But if you're going to leave your arm up like that, you run the risk. And this guy was out before he hit the floor. And I'm walking away here, but then I see the captain come, who I know is a pain in the neck. So I'm thinking, no, nope, get it out now. Um, so that's where I I decided to send him off. Um, and obviously, then the, the, the next stuff ensues. And I just want to check that this player is okay, but now all the players are starting to come around. Um, obviously, you can see the goalkeeper goalkeeper come. The captain's basically the eight is dissenting me. Uh, they're trying to talk. They're trying to talk their way out of it. But I told them I've seen it. I've seen it clearly. Um, there's a camera up there, so if you want to check it, be my guest. Um, but my all my thought is, is this guy going to be okay? Um, I was desperate to get this guy off the pitch because he's then going to Callum, who didn't actually see the incident. And to be honest, it would it would be on his blind side, the elbow, and particularly when he's looking across the line as well, which is something the players never seem to understand, that he's looking for the flick as well, that there might be an offside. Um, this player actually spent three days in hospital um, with this injury, uh, CAT scan and everything else that happened. Um, his, his lip was, was split to pieces. He, he was in all sorts of, he was in absolutely all sorts of trouble there. Um, but like I say, this was in the first minute of the game. Um, I did, you know, I did do one of our, a, a little trick when I, because like I said, when I was looking for the player, I knew it was the four or the, or the 11. So luckily they were stood pretty much together. And I said, yes, fella, I want to have a chat with you about that. And then he presented himself. Um, and I knew what had happened. I knew I'd seen the elbow. And um, it was a, it was an awful sort of, it was an awful thing to uh, for the lad to go through, but I got to say, my head then for the next fifteen minutes, not a lot happened. There was a goal in the next fifteen minutes. Bearing in mind the Reds were favourites and from a higher league, um, I was my, my head was all over the place. Do you know what I mean? Because not because of I've sent the guy off, but because I was so worried about like the other guy because he. You know, what, what I'd seen and what I did, it was just instinctive. And we've all done the first A course, well, I've done the first A course, and I didn't think I'd ever have to use it. Um, but it was just an instinctive thing I did because as I came to him, I thought, oh, my God, I, I you know, he, I thought, he's, he's going to choke, he's going to choke. And I was not panicking, but I was like, right, I've got to do it because they're not here, the physios, you know, and that's what I was thinking. So I've got to do it myself. So and then I managed to get his tongue out and then the physios arrived and uh, was and started dealing with him. But obviously what didn't help after this was obviously the next 15 minutes was a bit of a blur. Uh, the red team scored and, and, and went ahead. But I was just getting dog's abuse from that the uh, away t uh, from the red team and then this carried on for a lot of the game and then the manager of that team then just i went over and made a made a decision up towards the te his technical area and 
he then just became so abusive. I mean, I was a bit annoyed because I've seen footage after because um, I yellow carded the manager because I needed it to calm down. So the, the, the supporters, some of the stuff I was getting from, from the supporters was absolutely disgusting from the red supporters. And I just thought, right, okay, but I, I was sort of, I was sort of okay and on my game after 20 minutes, but if something bigger had happened in that after that incident and up to the 20th minute, you know, I'm not sure how, how I would have how I would have dealt with it or whatever because it, I was my, my mind was a bit scrambled. Um, but in the, but like I say, I, I cautioned the manager just before half time, and then he did something that I didn't see and I saw later on footage. And if I'd have seen, it, seen him do it at the time, I'd have sent him off as well. To be perfectly honest. Do you think you're in shock, Martin? I was. Um, I, I felt like to, to I those, felt to that period after what you'd gone through. Yeah, I mean, what I remember is obviously we had the night, the game, the Reds won actually three one, um, and then the secretary of the Reds treated me like a piece of crap after the um, after the game. Basically, he wasn't he wasn't worried about the guy that had been injured at all from the other team. He, the way he spoke to me and the way he treated me after the game was absolutely disgraceful, to be honest. Um, and, I, and I've always remembered that. That's always stayed with me. And then, of course, I got to work the next day. I remember going home. I got home and I just sat down and couldn't sleep. Um, and then the next morning, I hadn't slept very much, but this went on for a few days. I couldn't, I was struggling to get the, the picture of that yeah. player's face out of my head. I was really in, a very intrusive thought, was it? Yeah, I, it really, really was. It, it, I, I couldn't, it, I could do nothing. I was working, but I couldn't get out of my head. And it was to the point where it was upsetting me. Yeah. And I, I, and I was like, I had a game on the Saturday and I always remember because they, you know, I, I've been very lucky with some good appointments down the years. Um, but I can assure you, on that following Saturday, I've never been so pleased to be at Odd Down in my life <laughs> because there was just nobody Cracking there. Cracking you know, I, I needed a game like that that would just challenge me a little bit, but all the players would be receptive not a million supporters around and it to go okay. But for the following few days, it was, it was not great. And then we had the, the game on the Saturday that I decided to referee. Um, it was in my head. Every time the ball was in the air, it was in my head. Am I going to, is this going to happen again? I don't, I don't want this to happen again. And then it got to a point, say on the Monday where I decided to, uh, speak to somebody about it. Um, and to be honest, that was from the PGMOL and um, to somebody uh, at the PGMOL deals that, and they were really helpful. I got to say, he, he helped me a lot. And, um, you know, I then started getting, because I had a lot of social media abuse after the game for two or three days, a lot uh, from the, from the Reds, but, they were count, but the, the blues were count were countering that, if you like. Yeah. But I decided I needed to leave that aside and not and not look at it. But um, after that, it's you know I I felt that that talking to somebody really really helped me, yeah. and I'm very very strong as a person and as a referee, but. I felt that I needed to speak to somebody. It's the first time I've ever felt like that. Yeah. And it was an, inc- it was an incredible, incredible help to me. And I urge if anybody goes through anything like that or anything that, that they feel they're struggling to deal with, they really need to speak to people about it because you hear these cliches all the time. It really will help and all this, but it really does. Yeah. And it really helped me um, just after this incident. I um, completely uh, empathise with that and completely back you up. And and, and, and we're going to put a piece out at the end of this as well, a, a, an image 
which is a graphic I created with a third team, but I think it's absolutely brilliant because it's it's got a list of support telephone numbers on it. It's got ref support uh, hotline on it. It's got more specific ones on for different age groups, different genders, different sexualities and things like that. So it really has something to, for everybody on, and we're going to put that graphic out. But the, the reason why I can empathise with you so much, Martin, is because I had a game myself, and it was the inspiration for, for, for starting the third team where I had a big incident where actually a little bit similarly was a, uh, a, a player on a, on a, on a team uh, assaulted another player on the pitch and, and the player was having a fit before he hit the ground and ambulance came and, and police and, and all sorts. And I, I, I had to go into a work environment the following day um, and the adrenaline got me through the day as I'm, I'm sure the adrenaline got you through the rest of the game, but then I'm having intrusive thoughts and it's really, really unpleasant experience and, and you are questioning everything. And I think that, yeah. you know, I probably like yourself, have got a similar level of, of natural intrinsic mental toughness, but I think there are certain incidents that can happen within our career that can go above and beyond that. And we need to guard against that and realize that we're human beings with emotions and feelings and that we're not infallible to seeing a horrific situation like this and, and dealing with sort of the mental consequences of that. Hey, listen, what I did notice on that, on that, while all that was going on, mate, that I'm surprised Nathan never come in. Some of those players' socks had white on the red socks, <laughs> and I thought, you might have come in there, you know. You know, these lads coming through. That's what, like. The assistants, you just can't get them these days. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to pick up stuff like that for you, mate. Throw them down. Oh, my God. Oh my God! I'll tell you what, though. I'm gonna, just, just before we go on, the, the video did make it difficult to, to pick this detail out. But what colour was your whistle that you was using? Was it under? Was no, it, was black, it, black. Black. And you just need to give up, pal. Nah. What about your nonsense? Your rainbow nonsense? Well, just get some decent refs on. That's clearly what's going on. Unders, <laughs> Clattenburg. Nah, shit, refs. That's what it is. <laughs> You're out of the ball heavy union. I'll have words. We have to take out a full shot for you playing. Did you shave your head just to look like Kalina when you started refereeing? Well, to be honest, what's happened is I was playing for Weymouth. There was a picture of me, an action shot in the paper, and I it was in that action shot that I realized, do you know what? You look stupid, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I'm covering it up left, right. I was going to say you didn't have the Jack Charlton comb over going on, did you? No, this no, it, it looked a bit awful. So um, my girlfriend at the time, she was a hairdresser. She said, you're going to shave it off. I said, yeah, come on, and off it goes. And then she had fun doing that for the night because she only did that bit to start with. And then all the hair <laughs> all Brilliant. Brilliant. One of the things... Um, that always struck me about you, mate. Family man, people, people think referees were all like, you know, accountants, no shame to accountants. So, and we're all these sorts of like, we're not builders, like I was a builder. You're a plasterer, for God's sake. I, can't get more, I don't know. I think the only profession I could think of that's rougher than a plasterer is a scaffolder. No offense to scaffolders, mind. Do you want, Martin? Do you want to offend any more groups? Well, of I put them all in if he wants any ginger scaffolds out there as well. They're probably. <laughs> Well, like, I think, <laughs> I think when you look at it, these, these like people think we're all like, we don't like having a point. We don't like having a crack. Here you are, a plasterer, you know, go ex-player, you know, and yet you still get sick. I, I, I still get sick. Exactly that. What do you want? It's weird because, you know, I can, I can have banter with the, with the best of them. Do you know what I mean? I really, really can. And like you say, I'm a plasterer, you know, I, I'm doing it. It's, we, we're not an accountant. I mean, pencil <laughs> <laughs> accountants it's or headmasters or any other pencil pusher. It's it's like when you turn up. I'm, I'm not sure this eleven. I'm not sure this will come back in again either. I'm really not. But when you turn up to a game in your suit, and then some, you hear somebody say, "Cool, you can you can smell an official a mile." I know. Away. I know. Do you know? <laughs> And then, and then unders, unders. What, what happens? I was guilty of it. Where did this brown shoes, blacks? Where did these brown shoes come from? Now, where well, referee's got to wear bleeding brown shoes. Uh, well, I, I, I sort of remember being at uh, Basingstoke on the line um, to a two B referee, and this guy strutted out. You know, the other assistant strutted out. Honestly, he looked like some. He looked like. And he looked immaculate, all right? He looked immaculate. And he had these brown shoes. And I just thought, oh, I'm, 
is that what I've got to do? So when I went out and bought some brown shoes. <laughs> sure. Honestly, God, something rings a bell of the PGM all saying, well, you know, we want to, they, they used to give you suits, your PGM all shit. There's a photograph yeah. of me with a PGM all suit on, which they obviously just thought, let's just, he's obviously triple extra large. And I'm like, and it looks like I've robbed my dad's coat again. And I, and I put the photograph up, but it is shocking. Me and Ray Olivier, two of the smallest people on the PGM are well, have got like, you know, massive, like, you know, Anthony Joshua jackets on. It's massive. And I think, so anyway, that's another story, you know. It's, 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 it's weird because I went to the, uh, the, the PGMO conference when I, when I went up on the line to the National Prep. And of course, all, everybody's there and they're all picking up their kit and their suits and everything like that. But of course, because I'm um, panel select line, um, I don't get a suit. So um, I'm behind Darren Can. He gets his suit, and you see a few of the other faces. They, they get their bits and pieces. So I went up because I wanted to be professional. Got a gym bag. I went up to the guy who was giving the suits out, and I said to him, "I said, have you card, mate? <laughs> you know." So he, he gave me his card. And I said, "Right." I said, "This is what I need. These are my sizes." <laughs> so I started trying to blag a suit, and I I got one Brilliant. for a decent for a really decent rate. So Brilliant. I was quite happy, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, but uh, I don't think that. Do you know what? I've got a feeling suits. I'm not sure they're going to come back in at contributor. No, I hope not. I hope not too. It's so much better with the tracksuit, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. I feel personally offended though because I was also in the brown shoes club. Yeah, <laughs> the amount of shoes I bought at Matalan that were brown, unbelievable. <laughs> there's two there's two publications you've got to get if you're Nath. One is the laws of the game and you study it every day and the yeah. other is the latest GQ magazine to find out what sort of a suit you've got to turn up in, what colour it is. He's got the hair. He can carry Some serious hair envy going on here. That's a <laughs> Definitely. It never gets mentioned, but goddamn, Nathan. Yeah, I never looked like that. <laughs> Honestly, honest, you know, when he goes out, when he goes out and there's a gale force wind, that hair doesn't move. No. doesn't move. It's uh, just it's like a Lego head. <laughs> Incredible. But anyway, well, there's one of the one of the things I've always known about you, and we talked to this to Clats again, we're going to keep dropping Clats in, is uh, the family, the, the, the importance of family and the support you've got. I know you've Absolutely. you've got your children, you've got your, your your boys, both boys or two boys? Uh, yeah, I've got two boys from a second marriage. I've got uh, three grown-up children from marriage number one, and they're out there, so no, I've got three. five. And, and and it's always important to have a strong family behind you. And, and and one of the things that always struck me was was when what happened to your mother. And I know you know this is going to be a journey for you. And and it's one of the main things I wanted to get you on. A, I've always liked to think good, good ref, good lad, being there, done as a player. And I just thought, what happens with your mother? Um, and then what you did and how you shared what happened to your mum. It's a wonderful, wonderful. Um, helpful story for other people, but obviously a nightmare scenario for you. So would you like to share with the guys and what happened to your mother and the journey around that and the time it happened and stuff like that? Yeah, sure, absolutely. So basically <clears throat> what's happened is um, mum was ill for a, for a long time, um, as long as I can remember back, to be honest. And it's So I, I've seen mental health issues for years and years and years. Um, but she... She was progressively getting more poorly. Um, and in 2018, I ran the, you know, I ran the London Marathon um, for Mind, but I did it, I got in on the ballot, and I, uh, I still raised money for Mind, um, for the mental health charity, in, you know, uh, for my mum, really. Um, and so I was really pleased to have got through that, did that, raised some money. And then as the year went by, you know, I seen my mum quite a few times uh, as much as possible. And then um, come Christmas, it, it got to Christmas of 2018. So I ran the marathon in April 2018. And Christmas Day 2018, um, we woke up. I've got, as you rightly say, Martin, I've got two young boys. And they were bouncing off the ceiling. It's Christmas Day. It's Christmas Day. Um, so this is half past six in the morning. They bring in their stockings. They 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 open their presents on the bed. So then, right, they've got their main little present. They've got their main presents to open them. 
And it's at that point that I decided, well, I'm going to go, you know, go and wash my face and everything. So I went in the bathroom and I heard my phone go. And straight away I thought, oh my God, because I just had, you know, when you, it's weird. People say these sorts of things and I never believe them, but I just had a feeling. I got feeling my mum, my mum, my mum. Um, and then Harry rang out, ran out, um, my, my youngest, with my phone and said, it's your Auntie Lynn. It's your Auntie Lynn, Dad, Auntie Lynn's ringing. And of course, he's still bouncing because it's Christmas Day. And it, as soon as he said it was Auntie Lynn, I, I said to myself, my mum's died overnight. That's what I said. And she, anyway, so my Auntie Lynn, my auntie just basically said to me, can you ring your sister? I rang my sister. There, and she informed me that my mum had passed away at 4am um, so I then had to deal with I, I can't think of a worse time at any point of the year that, that, that if there is a worse time that that can happen um, so I sort of played out Christmas Day um, trying to put it to one side which was impossible of course um, it was really nice that very close friend of mine, another referee, um, who's a 2A, came round to see me that day. Um, I thought that was really nice touch, um, just to make sure I was okay and stuff like that. Um, but I, so I played out Christmas Day, and then I thought to myself, oh my God, I've got a game tomorrow. You know, what do I do? So I emailed the FA. And I thought, well, nobody's going, nobody's going to come back to me on Christmas Day. What am I going to do about this? And the, the kickoff time on Boxing Day was 11 a.m. And I'm like, what do I do? Do I just ring the club? And I'm thinking, no, who, who are you going to ring on Christmas Day? Don't be so stupid. And then, because I wanted to get down, down because my mum my lived in Torbay and my sister's in Torbay. I wanted to go down to Torbay. Um, so... Basically, what I did is I sent the emails off and then on the following day, Boxing Day, I decided, you know what, if I don't do this game, this and this is where I thought of the club, because, again, there would, nobody would mind, mind me saying this, it was Westbury versus Bradford, Bradford on Avon, Bradford Town, sorry. Um, and that's a local derby in, that, in those areas. And to Westbury... That's their biggest gate of the season, without question. There will be five to 600 people at this game. And to Westbury, that is a lot of money. And I knew that. And I thought, like, what am I going to do? So anyway, I was like 20 minutes from the ground. And I got a phone call from the FA saying, Martin, just, uh, I've just received everything. Oh, my goodness. I'm so sorry. And all this. Um, that. You know, if if just come off the game, just they'll have to just postpone it or whatever. And I said, do you know? And then I, that's when the other thing thing started kicking in, get, saying about the club and how much it's going to mean to them and all this. Maybe I should just get through it and do it so they don't lose the money. Now I didn't, and we sort of went backwards and forwards for two or three minutes. What shall I do? He said, How do you feel? I said, Well, not great. Um. But I said, you know what? I'm going to do it because it's, uh, it, it kicks off in an hour and a half or an hour and a three quarters or whatever it is. So me being me just was hoping, right, get your experience, get use your experience and just get through this game. And then um, I told no one when I got there, I thought nobody needs to know that. Uh, it's people's Christmas, people's Boxing Day celebrations. I thought nobody needs to know and um, I played the, you know, I, I played the game, didn't tell Westbury, didn't tell Bradford. Um, the, the game turned out, to, uh, you know, I had a penalty to give in the first five minutes of the game and that set the tone for the game. Um, and I was in autopilot to completely, but I've got to say my normal levels of tolerance, I, the first hint of dissent came my way I didn't manage it. I'm like, yellow card. All of a sudden, I've banged out 12 yellow cards on the day. 
and one red card, which was correct, to be fair. And the guy took it because he did, he did two reckless tackles in, in two minutes and he, he took that. But 12 yellow cards is the highest I've ever had. I shouldn't have really done the game. I wasn't, I wasn't mentally, I wasn't in the right state to do that game. And I, and I really, truthfully, probably knew that, but I was thinking of the club. Um, so I got through the game. I spoke to the FA after the game and he's gone, I've just, he's just gone, wow, look, put that to one side. He said, put that to one side. Thank you so much for doing the game, uh, but put that to one side. And if you want to come off your next games, let me know. Let's talk tomorrow. Um, so I, I travelled down to Torbay um, and start, you know, done the death certificate and everything like that. And just started going through uh, all the uh, emotions there, but just remembering what I'd done the previous day and wishing, should I have done the game? Should I done, thinking, should I have done the game? Should I have done the game or not? Um, and probably for me, no, but for the club, yes. I still don't know the correct answer. Um, and it was weird because two days later, I refereed a top of the table Southern League Premier game, Paul v Salisbury, really tough game. And I had a great game, you know, and there was I, I was back to being me. It was really strange. Um, but what I do remember is going to Westbury, because I, I, I was I remember getting my somebody told me my marks um from the clubs. I asked for them to see what they were. And they weren't high you know, um, 13 yellow cards or 12 yellow cards and a red, sorry. <clears throat> you know, they weren't high. And I just thought if only they knew what I'd gone through. But when I went back to Westbury on the opening day of the season, I explained to the secretary when I got there, because it was only me and him when we got there at half one, it was me and him. So I explained, you may have seen a different referee on Boxing Day last year. This is why. And he just looked at me ashen-faced and just went, wow, I can't believe you did that. And I went, well, that's, yes, I did. And that's why I did it. And he goes, I'll remember that. And I think for that game, he gave me uh, maximum <laughs> marks. And, and I wasn't even very good <laughs> on, the, on, the, on the opening day of the season. I do remember that. But that was, a, that was an extremely hard thing to go through. Um, so, you know, what I would say to referees out there is if you're going to... Uh, do a game just make sure you are mentally prepared because if you're not mentally prepared for the game and that starts with your homework when you get the when you get the appointment if you're not mentally prepared for the game things can go south um but very important that again that you speak that you speak to people if there are anything any problems going on in your life because i just think it's so so important because it does go hand in hand with you with the way you referee so if, if things are rosy and everything's great, there's every chance you're going to go out and have a great game. Um, but if there are things that are not so right, you need to speak to somebody to make sure the rest of your life follows a good path as well. So that's mm. what I think. But that was, that was one of the, that was a, a, as you can imagine, that was an extremely tough couple of days. Um, God bless your mum. God bless your mum. It's, it's, I've lost both my parents, never in such, and it's never good, any, any circumstance. It was it's a very tragic, tragic time to lose them as well as a, as a way to find out like that. Not being able to say goodbye and stuff. And it's, it's yeah, such a brave hurt. move. Sorry, yeah, make that, that hurt. That hurt. Sort of, like you say, I, I'd gone down there the previous Tuesday to see my mum and I was going down. Uh, I had the two games, was the 26th and the 28th and I was going down on the 27th to see her and it turned out that I, in the end, I went down on December the 27th to do her death certificate. Mm. So, you know, that was, uh, that was a tough time. So, yeah. What's your take but, on that now? Well, no, I was just going to say, I, th I think that, you know, um, and again, I feel like this is a self-plug for me all the time, but I, 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 I've written about, in, in my blogs, I've written about being in the zone. And, and I think that we all know that sometimes we'll have a game where we can't actually get into the zone. And, and that means that 
you're having other thoughts coming in your head as you try to referee the game, things that are not relevant really to, to the game because you, you're struggling to, to find that mode. And, and what I was really interested in was, was what Martin was saying about, you know, being on autopilot and things like that. And I think that sometimes when you, you go into that and, and you try to make the right decisions, but you, you just can't, I think it's, it's a really, really interesting sort of aspect to it. And, and, I, and I, so I suppose that's my question really is, you know, if if you were thinking obviously about your mother, which I I imagine that you were, even as yeah. you were walking on the pitch, Absolutely. you know, how how much you must have been sort of having an internal battle, really, in terms of your mindset, is to think I'm I'm I'm, I'm I don't know if you got to the point of grieving, but certainly in pain and suffering loss to actually get in that mode to think, right, I need to identify uh, uh, tackles and I need to do all the technical things that, that go on within refereeing. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I think mostly I identified the, ta- the tackle as well. I, I think the worst thing for me on the day was was reacting to people, uh, play, just, just the normal frustrations. They were, It was just the normal frustrations you get during the game. But because this had happened... It's amplified to me because all I'm thinking is, hang on, mate, I've just lost my mum yesterday and you want to say that to me? Yeah. And that's where I was. And I, there, there was a quite, it was embarrassed, I felt embarrassed by it at the time. I gave three yellow cards in 40 seconds for descent because I gave yeah. a free kick. So I gave three, three and 40 seconds. And I completely didn't manage that situation correctly. You know, and it's about resilience, another, isn't it, Martin? It's about resilience. And, yeah. and because you, you have a natural, like a like a shield on your body. The way I describe it is, it's like a suit of armor. Okay, and I think that that when we have our resilience really well, and, and it's a really strong sort of resilience that we have, we've got our suit of armor and we're feeling great. But I think when we are maybe going through a period of mental ill health or a, a, a sort of a really tragic circumstances, like you feel, it's like you're there and the, and the swords that would normally be hitting the metal of your armor, it, they're penetrating your skin. And, and I think that that's, I can imagine that you were very tender and very sore in terms of the way that everything was coming towards you. And, the, and that was what meant that you could deal with it. Absolutely. It was, and that's the, that's the nail on the head because um, things were being said to me, as we probably had all said to us, and I would be dealing with it and batting it away, not even batting an eyelid to some of it. Yeah. But I was taking everything on, I was taking everything badly. Do you know what I mean? And I just think that um, you know that was where my mental that was where my state my mental health uh, my mental um, thoughts were. Yeah, and it's just it was just I found it difficult. And on that on that day, that's how I reacted, and it wasn't it wasn't great. You know, with, with, so, it, with it being a large attendance as well, was that something that was in your mind in terms of thinking? If the crowd goes up here against a, or there's a mass confrontation or something where the crowd really goes up and it becomes like the incident we talked about um, with a video where a group of fans are on your back because of a, a sort of a key match incident, how was that something that you were kind of, I don't want to say conscious of, but was that something you were thinking, I really hope that doesn't happen today, almost praying that it wouldn't happen as you were coming out the pitch? Yeah, I mean, in, in my head I'm walking on and I'm thinking all I can think to myself is I just want this game to go well everybody to accept every decision I've got and and the crowd to enjoy a good game because to, to Westbury six seven hundred people is a lot of people yeah and um and that's that was what was going on in my head I was so didn't want a, a mass confrontation and I've done that game four or five times in my career, and mm-hmm. I should have known better, really, because they the, the two the two go at each other properly. Yeah, and um, I think we got to a, we got to a safe conclusion in the end. I and we and we did, and with the result and and everything. But I just think just the way I managed it, I think, didn't help. You know, I think that though, though I think when you talk in the terms though, Martin, and I think you have to, to maybe look at it in a wider sense, what we have to applaud you for is the fact that, yeah, okay, you did probably have more cautions and, and dismissals than maybe you would have wanted. But in reality, that's always going to be a game that's going to have a high sort of level of misconduct within it, just yeah, the nature of the game. 
absolutely that's absolutely correct i've done that before and i've carried up them cautions before in those games and there's always a few you know and it is one of and it is one of those games but um you know it's it's just something that i just felt that i wanted to get through simp on the day i knew it was all about the club the club the finances and the fact that it was their biggest attendance of the year mm-hmm. and i just wanted to get through that not say anything about anything else yeah and then leave the ground that's what yeah. i wanted to do and, and and with a safe outcome and to be honest the, the right we, we got the right outcome on the, on the day other than like you say just a few yeah. but but it's what goes on in it was what was going oh, on in my head but 100 was certainly more than what was going than, than anybody else would even think yeah and I think I think you deserve a tremendous amount of credit Martin you know I just I can't I can't sort of say it enough and I'm sure that there'll be many watching and listening to this that just absolutely admire that resilience and that mental toughness that you had to actually get through that because it's just the most awful situation the most awful time of the year and I just I think you know I think Martin said it there you just wouldn't wish it on your worst enemy mm. no you, you wouldn't and um, being, being that time of year as well I must admit but I've taken I've even taken it the positive now because now I celebrate that time of year and just think of my mum mm, yeah. and I've decided since that day um, I decided that I won't referee on Boxing Day again now and there's a lot of big there's a lot of big games on Boxing Days mm-hmm. okay but I've decided you know what no I want to be with my family on that mm, day yeah. and that's what I'm going to do so that's you know so I made the conscious decision to myself never to referee on Boxing Day again now that will that will stop me getting some big games but hey ho I'll get big games somewhere else. You know, it's yeah. just, I think that's now an important time for me to spend with, uh, with my family. That's a great shout, Matt. That's a, that's a great shout. And I think again, coming past the having other guests on our, uh, on our blog is that is, is, of all being packaged up there about like they people don't see us as human beings do they they just see us one in a black but in our black kits got our red and yellow cards and we're just there to cause them trouble not realizing that we've got family we've got children we want to be with on boxing day we've got challenges we're out the challenges that you have to have with with your mum god bless it and i think talking about it now here you are you know still talking about you know how you would have done, done things differently and this the horrible misconception and I had it as a player, and I'm sure you did as a player, that referees don't give a flying fig about the game and when they get things wrong. But we do, don't we? We do beat ourselves up over getting really? things wrong. Ab- ab- absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, just if I can just touch on a, a, a different scenario I had this year. Um, what Martin says, we, we absolutely do beat ourselves up. We, we want the game to be called fair and to have been done correctly. That's what we all want. We know there's going to be mistakes from time to time and all this, but I did I did a game this this season and I was convinced what I've seen. Um, and it's probably, I've basically, my eyes have lied. I've looked at, and luckily it didn't affect the game, but it really, really could have. And once I saw the footage, I beat myself up about it. I really, really did. To the point where it's the only time I've ever phoned a manager in my life and apologised for what I did. And I did do that. Um, I, felt that I, I felt that I had to because it kicked off when I gave a penalty kick. And basically, when I saw it back, I've just gone, oh, God, what have you given there? But people have got to realise that not only do we care, it's ve- it, it's so important to us. It's more important than anything. You can make a mistake as a player on a football pitch. I can make a mistake as a striker on a football pitch um, and lose the ball, but it's still got to go 100 yards the other way to end up in the other person's net, whereas, or the other, uh, in your own net, sorry. Whereas you make a mistake as a referee, you're out there, you're, you're on your own, and you take it home with you, and then social media makes sure you remember it. Do you know what I mean? It make, social media makes sure you remember it. It really, really does. And um, then you can beat yourself up, but there's got to be a time that you've got to park that, you know, and you've got to be ment- mentally strong enough to just to then park that incident. And we do care. Now, um, I always remember, just very quickly, I always remember a very quick incident as an assistant referee where 
um, the referee gave something to um, the away side and the home team manager came in after the game and he wanted to have a word with the referee. And the, the away team manager, he, sorry, the home team manager, he won't mind me saying his name. His name is Alex Pike. I'm sure we all know who Alex is. Um, he came in and he said to the referee, he, he went on and said a few bits and pieces. The referee said a few bits and pieces. And then Alex said to him, he made the big mistake by saying, and I know Alex, he's a good friend, okay? He said, yeah, but you don't care. And that referee absolutely goes, don't you ever say that to me. Yes, I do care, blah, blah, blah. And he, and he just sort of went for it a bit. Yeah. And it was out of character for that referee. And Alex took a step back and he went, and the jobs on it, this is what he did. He went, fair play, I like that passion. <laughs> Excellent, I'll, I'll accept that. Thank you very much. Thank you, referee, and walked out. And I just thought, see, now he realises that we really do care. Massive, massive misconception, isn't it? I want to bring Anthony in here. I, I, Anthony's been really quiet, and I can see you've yeah, you've found this challenging that some of the things that Unders has, has talked to us about. And it's uh, where are you sitting with this, mate? Mate, my, my default reaction to anything is to bring the levity. And I knew, obviously, that this was going to be the, the topic with... Uh, with with uh, under's family over the uh, over the Christmas period and all that, so for, like yeah, we we've all experienced loss and and to to have to go basically straight into work within twenty four hours and such a high pressure, high sort of stakes like the local derby for for all those people involved with it. That's that's probably the highlight of their year, and and like you said, as the referee. When you make a mistake, you blow your whistle to let everybody know that you're about to make a mistake. Whereas if you're a player, it's just an open play and, and it might slip under the radar. If you, if you cock up as a referee, 22 players know, two sets of benches know, and all those supporters know as well. Um, and for you to, to reflect on it as well, the way that you have, um, and, uh, and, and then just share that with us as well. I think, as Nathan has mentioned there, it does give an insight into... The, the mental resilience that, that you have, but also in sharing your story, that's going to help a lot of other people as well in, I'm not going to say similar situations because yours, yours seems, you know, really, really hard hitting um, in terms of the time of year, uh, the, the, with it being your mum and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, but, but people will have things like that and all of those things will be going through their heads in their next game, whenever that may be, uh, within 24 hours of, of them receiving that news. So I'm, I'm just, I'm so grateful to you for, for coming on and sharing that. And what I, I, I've stayed quiet this whole time because I, I'm, a, I'm a joker. That's just what I do. And I, I don't want to say anything to kind of take away from your message and, 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 uh, the, the the powerful impact that was that was behind it. So if I have stayed quiet, uh, I, I'd apologise. But it was it was more out of respect for for you you just getting your story out. So thank you. I appreciate that, and I, I can I can assure you as well. Um, the message is out there. We need to get it out there. We need to tell everybody to to um, it's all right to to talk to people, but at the same time, be a joker. Enjoy your refereeing, you know. Be a joker beforehand. Enjoy your refereeing, and do things right with a smile on your face. And and you won't go wrong if you can do that. So just that's where you want to get to, you know. And I think that that's one of the key messages we took from from Mark Plattenberg the other week. Was obviously he talked about, and he said it prior to coming on our um, podcast, and we, we we actually spoke in more depth to him about it, about how. He, I don't know, I suppose it was a regret for him, really, in, in respect to the fact that he couldn't remember the big games that he'd done because he was just trying to get through them. And I think that that's one of the key messages that I think we really want to put out here is that, you know, we do refer, we, we referee, sorry, because we love doing what we do. Um, and we really enjoy it and we love football and, and it's a big part of it. And I think one of the big things that, one of the big messages that really we want to put across is you've got to enjoy your refereeing because, it, you know, it's hard enough at the best of times that you've got to enjoy it. Absolutely. So important. And I think um, when you do find it hard, 
it's you know there, there are people out there who talk can we put some numbers up here you, any of the guys here and I wonder you have a lot of referees through you know through your own little thing that you do just by being a good person and I think what any referee out there is is goes to anything like this they get abuse or they get assaulted it's never your fault I, I don't care what anyone says no one deserves to get punched on a football pitch as a referee. No. And, but remember, it's not your fault. And there's other people out there that that have gone through similar to what you've gone through. I know this because I take the phone calls and we get the messages on social media that there's lots of people, unfortunately, that go through these challenges. And I just think some of it's abuse, some of it's assaults, some of it's mental, big mental challenges like like Unders has gone through, with, with what happened to the player and unfortunately what happens with, with his mum, God bless her. So always talk... Like Under said, always referee with a smiley face. Try to enjoy it. If you're not enjoying it, talk. So I want to thank Unders for coming on. Yeah. And that was the 19th, 20th, God knows what edition. I've lost completely track of such a deep, deep blog uh, and podcast. But Unders, thanks for coming on, mate. That's going to really help. Um, it's been a pleasure bringing on. Thank you very much for having me. Thanks we really appreciate it, Martin. And I just want to drive it home again. And I know that you'll back me up here. You know, we're going to put the numbers on at the end here. But I just want to say, obviously, when I... When my incident happened, and obviously I can't speak for Martin, but when my incident happened, my support networks were all quite closed and and I didn't have that. And that's why when I deliver workshops now and I want to say it on here and I wanted to go on record, create as many avenues as possible. Make sure you've got a good contact with your your referee development officer. If that if that fails, then your fallback could be the RA. If that fails, your fallback could be the coach, you know. If that fails, you've got the ref support hotline that we're going to put on here. Make sure that you have as many fallback options and people that you can contact and talk to as possible because it's really, really important. We want to keep as many referees in the game as possible and we want as many referees to enjoy their refereeing as possible. Excellent, Nathan. We'll, we'll end it on that. Thank you very much for watching. See you on the next episode. Keep it simple, get down to play today. The UK's leading app for next game availability. Download Down to Play from the App Store and Google Play. This week's Selk podcast was brought to you by Down to Play, the simple app for next game availability.